good morning, planet Earth. It's, it's Sunday, 3.51 a.m. Mountain Standard Time here in Scompton, Utah. July the 16th, 2023, Bo Blimpdock. Can you believe it? Yes, indeed, brothers and sisters, it is Sunday, July the 16th, 2023. In a few weeks, I don't know where I'm going to be. I wish I could say different, but wishing don't change shit. And every decision I've made in my life has led me up to this point. It's not accident. It's not chaos. There is a Lord in heaven and there is a plan. But if you're going to ask me what part of the plan do we play, well, I can't really tell you because I'm not God. I can't tell you what part you play. I can't really tell you what part I play. I can put my faith in God and say, it's all going to be okay, but I've read my Bible. People of faith sometimes go through some pretty bad shit. People of faith sometimes live in, live in an epic, an era of history where there is destruction and there's chaos and your world is torn asunder. So, yeah, nobody's that special and everybody's on the chopping block. You find it at the grocery store, in the place they keep the hoog fish and the salamander monkey juice. You find it in the street where the wild things go to die after the midnight poisoning. The moon shines the way to these broken morsels, and your woman promises to make the scourge stew as if any final moment is regrettable and each passing sandwich can be flushed. Vinyl and torn, the rabbit has tumors. The tumor meat is flesh magic, and our tacos continue. I was working with Gerald Fights and his army of donor rats. He was chief chef at the new restaurant off of Gibson Street. His sister managed the city kennels and made fresh cats available. The rich people didn't care. They thought it was Thai Mexican fusion with a Boston spice. But what was it? 
what was in it. Chinese magic and overdose snake fruit. Figure. He gathered stunkton meat from the gutters outside of St. Mark's. The priests would spit and howl and talk about altar boys they'd made men. <clears throat> Figure would haunt those places out of remembrance for his sister Tara. The girl was fished out of the bay after the bishops got done raping her. Figure was addicted to eight kinds of drugs. Figure made a little extra money doing deliveries to the taco stands in Central Park, and his mate Todd helped him with the rats he could catch outside the children's hospital. One night, after the Mets shut down and the penguins were ripe, that one night Figure needed extra cash and he understood it was about meat. You could get cubes from the government outlet now, and they'd say on the packaging, guaranteed federal 44 grams of scale protein. Not many knew what that was. Scale protein was something they gleaned from the landfill, usually four times a week. They used these giant straining machines. A scrumptious mixture of slug and scrig and skunk and squirrel. The mixture was heated to remove biological activity, and the brown sugar was no more ready for the wind. Figure got lost in the wastes of Manhattan. No one saw him gray and red. Figure's mind grew coarse over time as more of his friends got picked up for just being there, for existing. There were these new laws in New York City against hanging around or hanging out or collecting near the abandoned McDonald's. Congregating is what the city council called it. People were just, you know, picked up and taken someplace for congregating taken someplace downtown funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. It was an old textile mill where sweatshop workers used to make sneakers and wallets. And now it was for strangers, you know, people that didn't belong, the ones that go missing. Cops just take them there and then they disappear. Nobody cares, not as long as the meat keeps flowing. And now, there were all kinds of new meats available that had new kinds of names. There was purple passion grape. It was a scrub. You would take it off the gleaving and put it into a taco, a taco kind of style burrito, baby. There were three finger pudding. You, you could at least find two fingers and a fingernail. There was Tyson chicken brow. <laughs> You never knew where that thing came from. There's kidney stone pizza, howling banshee mole, parasite miss pie, hurried nut loin, that was the good stuff. They had that at Scribbly's off of Broadway. Tender mink frosting was some type of special dish you had late at night. Morbid wine dressing was what you would serve over Thanksgiving. And then there's Henry Spice Grizzle. That stuff was good. Kind of like a sloppy joe.
Of course, they still had roast pork sides and tattooed jerk chicken. And there's no telling where this goes, baby. They're still grinding up mite and gnat larvae in Hell's Kitchen. They'll be selling cheese Toledo next Christmas. So Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Have a happy new year. Dan, that's crazy. Is it really? Is it insane? Have you had your mite, Mexican-style mite and gnat larvae chili? Is that crazy? Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Norman Borlaug is the food. What Keynes, that's John Maynard Keynes, is the economics. What does that mean, Dan? Well... You know, for a long time, I think people had the sense that money is supposed to be stable and money is supposed to have purchasing power. But the net effect of Keynesian economics has been to pollute money, and let's be more specific, to pollute, dilute your work, the work you do every day. Sure, the current form of it is setting rates at the Fed, but it's more than that. It's all the monkey business they do. And we learned a little bit about that monkey business back in 2009 with TARP 1, TARP 2, and every iteration of quantitative easing since then to include what I would call push-button QE in late 2019. You know when the banking system was beginning to collapse, but then they covered it up with a massive pandemic? This one won't be uploaded to YouTube, mainly because I'm suspended from uploading right now. Separate topic, but yeah. Norman Borlaug sold the world this idea that you could mass produce food, and this is partly true. You can. But what, but what no one really asked, and maybe they didn't, and maybe, maybe nobody gave a fuck, in this day and age of supplements. Well, Dan, you need ground bull testicle supplements. You need algae supplements. You know, sure, my grandfather didn't. My dad didn't. He had healthy food. The thing about the Norman Borlaug food is, while it is technically food, it's not that good for you. It's mostly carbs. The nutrients, the minerals, all that other shit are gone. What John Maynard Keynes did to economics... I believe Norman Borlaug did to agriculture. And you could say, well, Dan, but we have so many, we do have so many more mouths to feed today than we did in 1970. And here's my perspective on that. I don't want anybody picking a number. I don't care if it's Bill Gates. I don't care if it's Elon Musk. I don't care if somebody says there's too many people. I don't care if somebody says there's too few fucking people. Nobody has that job but God. And if there is no God, go back to nobody should have that fucking job. Okay? The argument that, well, it's a net good because a whole bunch of people were born, 
That's not necessarily a rational fucking argument. But what I can say also is that whatever the Norman Borlaug Green Revolution it, you know, was from your perspective, it's over. It's over. I don't know, you know, whether you want to look at it from the perspective of aquifers, like, you know, Ogallala Aquifer, or if you want to look at it from the perspective of topsoil, most of which is in the Gulf of Mexico now. Or the fact that, yeah, really cheap natural gas for fertilizer isn't going to be really cheap forever. I don't care how you look at it. The Norman Borlaug Green Revolution is over. And what comes next isn't the nutrient famine. We've already had that. What comes next is the famine famine. Maybe it won't happen this year. Maybe we got a couple more years. Maybe instead of stockpiling plastic caskets and 12 gazillion million rounds of ammo, maybe what the U.S. government's really been doing for the last decade and a half is stockpiling food. You won't know, I won't know. By the time we have an inkling of what we think we know, most of us will be too busy trying to fucking survive. That's how the game's going to be played at this point. Norman Borlaug was the food. What Keynes was the economics. Norman Borlaug was nutrition. What Keynes was the reason. And just as John Maynard Keynes and his heritage, his legacy, just as it did a lot of damage to economics in the last hundred years, Norman Borlaug's Green Revolution in the last 60 years has done equally equal amounts of damage, period. That's it. Next topic. But Dan, he's, a he's not a hero. He's not. He really, really isn't. He is the equivalent of the Soviet farming philosophy of the late Soviet Union, which is to say that it doesn't fucking matter who takes over the co-op farm as long as you get your yields up. If the year you're gone, the yields drop, who gives a fuck? That was the Soviet system. That's the Norman Borlaug system. Next topic. Daniel. Yeah. Oh, so I had another video removed from YouTube. And listen, I told you guys a couple months ago when I started posting videos there, this was going to happen. It doesn't make me Svengali, okay? It doesn't make me Count Mesmer. It doesn't make me special or a mentalist. I simply have the experience of being censored. I said a couple months ago, and it's kind of ironic because the video I said it in is the one that got is the one that got removed from YouTube. But I said, you know, there's a very good chance that me posting these podcasts to YouTube will end in the channel being canceled just as before. I don't know what to tell you beyond that. Is this a worthy topic? Well, it's kind of like I said in that Home Depot podcast that YouTube just removed. There are things that are relevant to your existence that have nothing to do with podcasts or social media or, frankly, mining crypto or a whole bunch of other nonsense that people are wasting their times with, to include me. Do I think the podcast is worthless? No. But in technical terms, there's no money there. 
And the reality is in a few weeks, I'm just going to have to you know, live out of a backpack. And what exactly do you take with you in that backpack? You don't take a computer monitor. You probably don't take a computer. You probably don't take your keyboard. So what exactly do you take? It doesn't matter. You know? The sooner I come to grips with that, the better for me. And frankly, the sooner a lot of you motherfuckers come to grips with it, the better for you. There's a lot of stuff today that we think is important. And very soon we're going to realize it's not important. And there's a lot of stuff today that people will say, well, that's not relevant and that's in the past. And I tell you, in the not too distant future, it will be relevant again. It will be critical. Currently, people tell you family's worthless. But what if it's just the opposite? They tell you that your hard work is worthless. They tell you that healthy food is worthless. When you can go to the dollar store and for a buck or two, even today, get yourself a big old bag of something and you can shove that something in your mouth and maybe it is just cardboard with salt on it, but does it fucking matter? Next topic. So this is an article that was published on July the 13th. That's a few days ago. It was originally published at the Epic Times, but it shows up on Zero Hedge. And the author is Patricia Tolson. Headline, Homicides Homicides Soar 96% in Washington State After Passage of Gun Restrictions. Oh boy. Data shows that the number of homicides in Washington state skyrocketed after Second Amendment rights were restricted. According to a report released on July the 10th, the rate of murders, violence, and property crimes rose across Washington state in 2022, while the number of law enforcement officers available to respond and protect citizens decreased <coughs> Yeah, they harassed me, buddy. Specifically, the report revealed that there were 394 murders in 2022, an increase of 16.6% over 2021, and the highest number of murders since the Washington Association of Sheriffs and Police Chiefs began recording the data in 1980. In addition, homicides increased 96% since 2019, and violent crimes increased by 8.9%. During a July 10 press briefing, the executive director, Steve Strachan, said that the residents are more concerned about crime because it's starting to affect them in a real way in their real life. He specifically addressed the rise in homicides, up 16.6%, with an all-time high number of 394 people being murdered in 2022. With that increase of 16.6% compared to 2021 to the all-time high of 394, that is 96% more murders than we had in 2019, Straken said. Yeah. A slide shown during a media availability session hosted by the Washington Association of Sheriffs and Police Chiefs on July the 10th. Yeah. Strachan also noted that Washington State suffered a net loss of 500 police officers, or 4.4% of its force. The per capita loss in officers per 1,000 citizens was down to 
which was the lowest on record and also the lowest in the nation. Things did not improve in 2022. Straken said net statewide, you know what, I don't give a fuck what Straken said. You can read this article yourself, but let me get right to the point. This article's mostly bullshit, okay? The basic argument of the author, um, Tolson, is that we don't have enough cops and we don't have enough people with guns. Well, I think we have plenty of cops. I, I saw two cops, and again, I don't live in Seattle any longer, but I could have very well seen this in Seattle. I saw two cops show up to deal with what looked to be a woman by herself. Maybe she weighed 100 pounds in the field across the street, and it took two cops. Why? Because they were going to take her someplace. They were going to probably load her into an ambulance and take her someplace. That's what they were going to do. Here's what's causing <clears throat> the increase in crime. But it doesn't matter because people just won't want to believe it. Our government and many governments around the planet have been conducting high-intensity military psychological warfare since early 2020. And the flavor of PSYOP they've been mainly using is trauma-based mind control. At a certain point, when you expose a population of hundreds of millions of people to this type of operation, people will simply become crazier. They'll become angrier. Everyday crooks will become worse crooks. And everyday people might end up doing things you wouldn't expect. That's the truth. You can whitewash this about guns. There are plenty of guns out there. In the United States alone, legally, there's nearly half a billion guns. And if you were to add in the black market and stuff that's not registered, I'd say it's at least double that. So let's call it 1.5 billion or just round up to two. There's plenty of fucking guns out there. There are plenty of fucking cops, okay? This isn't about cops. This isn't about guns. This isn't about prisons. This is about the type of abuse that our population has suffered under a police state that has no restrictions on its power. And this is not going to get better. And if you were to add extra cops, and if you handed out randomly, just handed out guns to people, it would still not get better. This isn't about rational decision making. Once you pass a certain point with this type of torture that we've been exposed to, your ability to reason breaks down. And maybe not you, shithead, but I can promise you, a lot of those public school graduates, their reason shuts down. And all they see is red. And you can have all the cops in the world. You can start setting up the triple, stand, triple, triple strand concertina wire and not the little rubber cones. You remember those from the little choreographies of BLM and Seattle Police in 2020? I remember the fucking rubber cones. Yeah. You can have the triple strand, and it's coming, and the 50 cals. It's all coming. You will see the reality soon enough, but it'll be too fucking late. And the people that actually are doing this, they know this. They have no intention of being here when the pot boils over. None at all. They will be someplace else. I don't know where. Maybe they will be in some big bunker under the airport in, what, Denver? Maybe they'll be someplace else, mostly. Who knows?
But they will be out of fucking town by the time stuff gets real. And I mean beyond just the spike in murders. You ain't seen nothing yet. But before I leave this, understand that all crime reporting, no matter who the agency is, all crime reporting is based upon the purposes and directives of the local city government. If the local city government needs revenue from property taxes, they will make sure that those numbers look good. They will. They always have, they always will. This is not new. When I was living in Greenwood, Seattle, lots of people went missing. Lots of people got killed. That was about 10 fucking years ago. Okay, none of this is new. They want to convince you it's special. That way, they'll get the special treatment. But it's not. Next topic. But Dan, if we just had more co If you want more cops, you can have them. I don't know how you're going to pay for them. And I truly don't know how you're going to train them, really. The number of cops you would need at this point. At this point the number you'd need. And that includes using the National Guard. That includes bringing in foreigners. It isn't just United States, shithead. Just about every Western country has the same fucking problem. And that includes South America. So where the fuck are you going to get the extra soldiers from? Where the fuck are you going to get the extra cops? And the answer is, they're not coming from anywhere, shithead. This is more bullshit. But it's bullshit designed to convince you that somehow, if we had more cops, things would be better. Next topic. Here's another quote from Dr. Freckles. Cherry-picking government data is like picking undigested kernels of corn out of your shit. Cherry-picking data from the government, or the same thing, the Federal Reserve, any of those institutions is like trying to find little kernels of corn, undigested peanut, and other things you can pull out and put into your taco. Which means maybe it's not a great idea. Because you really don't know when you're being lied to. You'd say, well, Dan, I use the FBI. You use the same crime data that comes from the same sources of people that need property taxes. Do you not understand what accurate reporting with respect to crime does to property taxes? Do you not understand that? Is that fucking confusing? So keep on getting your UCR data. Dan, it's, it, they tell us murder disappeared and then it showed up again. No, they give you numbers when they want to manipulate you. I have no idea how many people are being killed out there. I would wager that it's not pretty. And if the government wants the number to be 394, chances are you could add another thousand to that number of homeless people that get dumped someplace in Seattle, of underserved poverty people in Tacoma that simply nobody gives a fuck about. Believe me, there are lots of people that go missing and get killed, and they do not show up in this data, motherfucker. But, you know, make sure you keep your door unlocked. topic. Dan, I can't believe you. You can't believe anything. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. 
being afraid of your enemy is basically saying they have a superior paradigm. What does that mean? Well, I actually have a couple quotes here, but we're going we're gonna to break this one down first. Um, I have this person I used to talk to. And he claimed to, you know, to be on the liberty side of things, and he claimed to have a analytic understanding of the basis of freedom. And so you'd think this type of person wouldn't spend a lot of time talking up the government. Because understand, brothers and sisters, when you realize what foundationally makes a strong society, and you realize it's about liberty, then you really, you can't be afraid of them. Can they convince a bunch of public school rejects that communism is better than anything else? Sure they can. It isn't going to make it fucking work. And we've already been down that road. So many <clears throat> libertarians, anarchists, you name it, will talk up the government. They'll talk up secret cabals. They'll talk up the reset and Klaus Schwab. But for a moment, can they step back and ask themselves, why are you so afraid? If you believe freedom is superior to tyranny. Why are you afraid of tyranny? If you believe liberty and a free market is superior to communism, why are you so afraid of communism? Why? If you look at the history of communism in the 20th century, it more or less couldn't exist without the deep state. I don't care if it's Southeast Asia. I don't care if it's communist Russia. I don't care if it's South America. None of these motherfucking commies could have possibly existed unless they had the help of the, deep, of the deep state. So, again I say, why are you so fucking afraid? You give these speeches and lectures and your own personal TED Talks on the superiority of capitalism, but you're constantly afraid of the commies. Why? If you're afraid of them, then you are at least tipping your hat that there is something in their book of business that is better than you. But I don't care if it's a thug, a killer, a murderer, a rapist. Why would you give them the credit of being superior? Why would you say that you should be afraid? You should not be afraid. You should understand. You should protect yourself. It's kind of like the crocodiles. Like I say, the government's the crocodile. Big ass crocodile kind of diseased at this point, kind of a big skin sack full of parasites, but it's still a gigantic crocodile. And I wouldn't suggest one person go up against it. But whatever happened to enough of us standing up against it? Here's another quote from Dr. Freckles. Don't fear your enemy. Understand your enemy, and this is how you win. That's the, that's the ticket, though, right? The fear. Throw it away. Don't be afraid of the government. Understand the government. Understand its weaknesses. Understand at the end of the day, you could have millions of more police in this country, and for the most part, it would change nothing. It would impact nothing. It, it would more or less expose the government for what it is, and it would probably lead to a faster collapse. They know this, by the way. They'll talk up their 87,000 IRS agents. They'll talk up, oh, but we have F-16s and you have AR-15s, <coughs> Afghanistan. They'll talk up a lot of bullshit. But at the end of the day, they know better than you that the center cannot hold. In fact, what I suspect 
for a lot of libertarians and anarchists who talk up the state and talk up the reset is it's kind of a way of coping with a basic fear. That in the not too distant future, you're going to be sitting alone in an apartment in San Francisco, in New York, someplace else, no electricity, no connectivity, and you'll be hoping that that UN helicopter drops an MRE on your head. You'll be hoping that that US helicopter drops some water on your head, and it's never going to fucking happen. They don't give a fuck about you. That's the truth. They don't care. They've probably stolen as much as they can, and as far as power goes, they had the power to shut down the fucking world. What more power did they need? They could have, I say they could have, they would have probably wanted to keep doing all the wretched shit they've been doing for thousands of years. Why would they stop? You see, that's the question a lot of these libertarians and anarchists don't want to ask. So they end up turning the government into a super colossus. There's going to be one world government, Dan, and it's going to be gigantic, and it'll totally scale, and ignore the fact that I claim to be an Austrian. But it doesn't scale. And you're not going to get 70 fucking years of the Soviet world government. You're not going to get what we had in the Soviet Union. It ain't going to work like that this time. This is not Germany 1933, fucker. This is Berlin, April 1945. And it's over. And they'd love to convince you it can go on forever, but it can't. And they also know they can't feed all of you. Temporarily, they can keep the grocery stores working, but not in any type of medium-term sense. And at some point, they'll be empty. And at some point, the people that have the power and have the resources are going to get the fuck out of Dodge. They're not going to be meeting at places and broadcasting secret messages. They're just going to go to ground. And maybe they do use World War III as cover. Who knows? Maybe a nuke war is coming. Seems like they could have done that in 2019. But maybe they were holding off, right? Or maybe what I suspect to be the case is that they're going to let something else do the work for them. Because they're lazy. Because do not fear them, understand them. They are lazy, stupid people in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're crooked, they got lots of resources, they're grifters, and they can pay smart people to do amazing shit like build nuclear weapons. But the actual people in charge are lazy, and they're evil, and they're slothful, and they're, and they're kind of just scummy people, and if they can avoid it, they're not going to do any fucking work at all. So, if they had a choice between killing y'all in a fucking arcane, ornate, Byzantine way with bat viruses and weird vaccines that seem to skip Uncle Dan for some strange reason, or anybody he can verify, yeah, they could do it like that, or they could simply let something else do it for them. Which is more likely? That they have this truly complicated network of obedience by which they're going to poison everybody to death, but so slowly you're not going to recognize it. Or that they've just been biding time. You know, like a football game. Here's another timeout. Here's another timeout. We're going to run down the clock, Dan. 
I, I see the behavior as the behavior of people managing the clock. Or another way of putting it, the behavior of the elite looks a lot like people who do not control the schedule. And so their purpose is simply to keep us fucking busy. It's like the analogy I've used in the past. You know, the parents want to keep their kids busy until the divorce lawyer shows up. You know, go and play Nintendo. You see that movie on TV with the riots? Go watch that. Hey, aren't you afraid of the Russians? You know, drag Queen Putin. Just keep the kids busy. Until the divorce lawyer shows up. what it looks like to me but we'll see right maybe klaus schwab's gonna be emperor of the universe next topic and i've already beat up on this one another quote from dr freckles remember when carbs were not a nutrient but actual nutrients were you remember when sugar wasn't a nutrient but actual vitamins and minerals were you remember when people could eat a sandwich and they didn't eat a supplement you remember when people could have soup and didn't have to worry about New Zealand bee pollen magic from Alex Jones? I do. I'm old enough to remember that. I'm old enough to remember eating food that my mom would prepare that from my perspective, from what I can recall, actually was healthy food. And you didn't need to take a lot of extra vitamins. You didn't have to take a lot of extra nutrients. In fact, I find interesting that entire phenomena over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There have always been tinctures. There's always been holistic folks selling something. But for a long time, at least until recently, it seemed like you could get most of your nutrition from the food you ate. And what the fuck happened to that? Dan, don't blame Norman. He Norman Borlaug won a, a Nobel Peace Prize. Norman Borlaug won a Nobel Peace Prize. Norman Borlaug won a Nobel Prize. He won a Nobel Prize because he gave us sugar food. Yeah. Next topic. Blowing through these, right? I'm going to drink a little coffee here, though, because it's so early in the morning. Here's another quote from Dr. Freckles. If a problem needs to be solved today, it probably won't be solved today. And this is actually kind of a project management thing. Are there emergency things that have to be done today? Sure. But does that mean you're solving the problem, or does that mean you're just trying to get things working again? I've worked in software engineering environments where the initial course of action is just get the system working like it was yesterday. But the long-term thing, the thing that would actually fix the problem, that's not something you solve today, probably not something you solve tomorrow. 
And if the solution's complexity is a function of code debt and a function of people putting off till tomorrow what they could have done yesterday, then it gets worse. It gets a lot worse. I took over from a dude back in 2016. He had been in charge of software at a company for more than a decade. And he'd written a lot of code and, and not very good code. And a lot of it was Visual Basic code. And in the space of a few months, I had to rewrite most of it. And why did I have to? Because it just didn't work. It was one big pile of code debt. And frankly, he was kind of a grifter. And he had a nephew, I think, who was kind of a fucking grifter. And I, I'm just done with that, really. That's one of the reasons why I'm done with software. It, it attracts a lot of social engineers, and it tends to push out these days people who know what the fuck they're doing. It's one of the reasons why I'm skeptical of artificial intelligence, because I can, at least in my mind, figure out a way by which it could all be a big giant fraud. It's not to say that these programs aren't clever. They're very clever, but we had clever programs that could produce music, produce paintings, produce writing. Hell, I remember when I was in school, these dudes using Markov models to produce research papers that they submitted, and some of those papers got selected for conferences. Yeah. So this is not new. This isn't. But why are they foisting this on people? Well, they're foisting on them because they want you to believe the God of technology will not fail you, especially right now. Especially right now, they need you to have a salve so you can stay at home and even in a state of fear, say to yourself, well, maybe the AI will take my job, but at least the robots will feed me. But once again, brothers and sisters, that's never going to fucking happen. Now, I, I think that the engineering discipline in this country has kind of gone downhill. And I was commenting on that back in 2018 before Boeing started having problems. I said specifically in some of my podcasts that you should start to expect planes to fall out of the sky. <laughs> yeah. That's only going to get worse too, my friends. Next topic. Oh my God, Dan, artificial intelligence helped me with my writing, did it? Did it really help you? Here's another quote from Dr. Freckles. You use crypto. You're on Twitter and Instagram. You are not off the grid. You are not off the grid. You have a smartphone. It is tracking you. You are not off the grid. You are on the grid. You are. I, I see these folks on social media. And they'll say they're off the grid and they're disconnected. Then why the fuck are you on Twitter? Why the fuck are you on Facebook? Why are you posting crap on Instagram? You're not off the grid. If you're off the grid, there are other ways you could communicate with other people. Like digital over CB radio. I've tested it. It works. Not that anybody fucking cares and not that anybody's really going to commit to it in the whole decentralized world. Even though... Um, it's about the only decentralized technology I've seen in a long time. Yeah, 
There are ways you can communicate without your Twitter and your Instagram that would be more secure and better for you and your family, but you're on Twitter and you're on Facebook, so you are not off the grid. In a few weeks, I'm going to probably end up being one of those people that, you know, you see walking about. You know, my crime will be existing. Um, other than being harassed by cops, and that's already happening, I guess I should be thankful it's good prep work. Nobody's going to know who I am. Nobody's going to fucking care. And if I make it to some congregation of homeless people, I'll slip into that world and I will disappear. And that's just how it works these days. And it doesn't make me special. And the fact that you have a home and a job right now, how can I put this? That doesn't make you fucking special either. In fact, maybe one of the few things that makes people so special these days is the level to which they can delude themselves that this reality can continue. Well, Dan, it's going to be a slow descent into hell. It's going to be a slow process. Why? Because it was slow on the way up? Why do you assume that? Why do you assume nature is going to be gradual? Why do you assume nature is going to be linear? Why do you think it's going to be continuous? When in reality, it's brutally nonlinear, um, absolutely discontinuous, and while you might feel like you're in equilibrium state right now, there's something called punctuated equilibrium. And when that punctuation mark hits, you're not going to be told. It's simply going to hit you. It's going to hit all of us. You're not off the grid. You're not off the grid any more than I am. And if I end up in the streets disconnected from everybody, no smartphone, no smart device, no nothing... I will be off the grid. In fact, you could say being off the grid in 2023 means being on your way out. Being on your way away from where everybody else is. Then you're off the grid. Nobody gives a fuck who you are. Nobody keeps track of who you are. Nobody will look at you. They might only smell you. That's being off the grid. And if you're a crooked person, if all you want to do is rip people off, then you can go ahead and go down that road, and you're really going to be off the grid. And, you know, dealing with police. But like I said, brothers and sisters, I've been pulled over for walking, so I expect to be dealing with the police. And I don't know how pretty it's going to be. Ask me how angry I get sometimes, and then ask me how angry I might get when I all I have in the world that's left fits into a fucking backpack. This is not going to end well for anybody. If you listen to this podcast and you want to donate, you can. Understand the following. Number one, I don't think I'm going to have a place to live in a month and a half, so that means I'm probably not going to be podcasting. Number two, you should take care of people in your life first rather than strangers on the internet. Number three, make sure you take care of your food, your water, your shelter, not necessarily in that order. Um, if you're setting aside food for yourself, make sure you're thinking about your pet, your dog, your cat. Um, and understand that 
as crazy as shit might get, and I think it's going to get really crazy, it's not the end of the world, but right now might be the closest to quote-unquote normal that you're ever going to be at closest to right now. This might be as normal as it gets. And so if you have the resources and you can do some things you've been putting off, go do those before you give strangers money on the internet too, okay? But if you've done all that and you've got all your gold and your diamonds and hookers and cocaine and you still want to donate to my podcast, you can. Um, I'm not sure what difference it's going to make at this point. Can I use the money? Sure I can. If you had a lot of money, would it make a difference? Maybe. But in reality, the amount of money I've been getting since early 2020 has been mostly a trickle. So I don't really know that it's going to make any fucking difference at all. I have some very generous donors. Problem is, I don't have enough donors. I kind of wish I had a lot of people donating very little. But I have a few people who donate a lot. And God bless them. And they're great people. And I wish I could meet them all. That's not reality, but I wish I could. If you want to donate, go ahead. I can use the money, but then so can a lot of people who are probably just down the street from where you live. And there are probably people in your family who could also use help. For Sunday, July the 16th, 2023, it's almost 5 a.m. Sunday, July the 16th, 2023. I hope you have a great rest of your Sunday. If you're Christian and you like my podcast, I would ask you to say a prayer for me because I'm going through a pretty dark time and I don't really have a way through this right now. Um, I worry. I worry that my faith is not strong enough. I worry that I'll end up in a place where there'll just be hopelessness. But also, I'm not sure that it was ever going to be different. So if you're a Christian and you're going to church today, I ask you to say a prayer for me. Other than that, have a great rest of your Sunday, and I'll talk to you later.